Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart of EvanLionheart.com in New Jersey, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, Conjurman of ConjurmanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California, and this week's very special guest, Papa Newt of PapaNewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska, introducing new people to Hoodoo. Together, they'll take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of Hoodoo, Conjure, or Root Work as defined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooist of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Ms. Cap? Hi. I have got um, incredible news for everyone. The most fucking incredible news that I've mm. heard in the last um, 40 years, maybe 50 years, okay? Okay, this is like it. This is the thing I have lived long enough to see. I cannot believe it. Four seconds of silent footage of Henry Thomas playing his guitar and playing the quills has been found in a 1931 film that a German Jewish immigrant to America made on Maxwell Street in Chicago. Wow. Deafening silence. Is this being put in, is this being put in the chat? Wow. It is in the fucking film. There's four seconds of Henry Thomas, recognizable. His guitar, him <laughs> playing the guitar, capoed at the fourth fret. He, he, it's Henry fucking Thomas. It's fucking video. A man who was only known from one photo, one grainy yeah. photo that had been used to advertise his stuff. Uh, he had been described by people as far back as 1912. He is fucking playing the guitar. He's obviously alive in 1931. Um, it was thought somebody, some other blues performer said, I think he died around 1930. Well, he didn't die yeah, around 1930. Yep, yep. He was, oh, interesting. Uh, but, but not only that, you can take that film clip, four seconds is all it is, and sync it up to a particular song. Now, those of you who remember the Now You Know show with Professor Porterfield, remember it opened up with the Orange Blossom special as its theme music, and it closed with a song called Railroad and Some by Henry Thomas. Coming through rock wall, you know, high ball, high ball through, sir. And he ends up, Chicago. That's the fucking song he's playing in Chicago in 1931. The key is right. Wow. The, the the he's playing the quills 
It's everything. It's all there. And not only that, why is he filmed? What is he doing? He's on a platform with a man who is either biracial or triracial, European slash African or European slash African slash native, who is dressed with just a regular old suit on and a Sioux war bonnet who is hawking wizard tonic. It's like alcohol, you know, prohibition. It's a it's an mm-hmm, herb tonic. Mm-hmm. And Henry Thomas is his draw man and he's the pitch man. But that's not all. There's also another guy dressed as a big fat professor. He was a snake on his pitch and he's pitching snake oil liniment. And around him there's this thin Texas part native part. Anglo cowboy guy beating a tom tom and dancing a traditional like Apache style crouch dance while dancing around a snake oh, wow. on Maxwell Street in Chicago. <laughs> wow, Can you wow. fucking believe it? Henry Thomas has been found. I mean, mm-hmm. we have him. Um, we in 1912, a woman who was an amateur folklorist mm-hmm. in Texas. Uh, said she she was sending uh, she couldn't write uh, music she couldn't didn't know musical notation but she could collect lyrics and she sent them to a famous folklore ethnomusicologist and she said she had met a, a negro as she called him a negro who was called Ragtime Texas and he was dressed in a Ragtime heavy Texas, overcoat yeah. and and she she wrote down the lyrics to one of his songs and she sent them and so that's in this other guy's papers which got put in a library and it's all known and of course. When Henry Thomas was finally recorded in 1926, he recorded the same song, same lyrics. So everyone goes, she must have seen Henry Thomas. And he was Henry Ragtime Texas Thomas in 1912, right? In this picture, in, in the video, um, he is wearing a heavy overcoat. He Apparently, he was a, you know, he, um, was a busker, he was a street busker, so he always wore some clothes so he'd stay um, warm. He has he straps his guitar very unusually to make the strap long so he can throw the guitar mm-hmm. over his back. He's got his quills. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's 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 worth waiting for. That's fantastic. <laughs> What's interesting I is his I mean, time of death I'm is just... completely revised too. Because 1930, if I remember correctly, 1930 was where people thought he died. But you're saying this is 1931. 31. Well, there's another thing that goes with this for the real real hardcore fans. There's a guy named Mac McCormick who is an eccentric uh, collector and uh, and fan of blues music. And um, he was, uh, he's, he has died um, of old age, I guess. But he claimed for many years to have met Henry Thomas in 1949 in Houston, Texas. And mm. But but he had no proof of it. He said, "No, I met him. I you know, I, I, I met him. As, that was Henry Thomas. I met him in 1949." But other people who were closer to the black community, uh, Mac was a uh, white guy. Uh, but so they interviewed some old blues musicians, like like um, Big Bill Brunsey or somebody, who, notoriously bad memory. Somebody who said, "Yeah, I think he died around 1930." They were wrong. Mac McCormick was correct. He probably was alive in 1949, and Mac McCormick is kind of vindicated now, uh, you know, after death, rehabilitated. He probably did meet him in 1949. He looks perfectly fucking healthy in 1931. I mean, you know, he was born around 1880-something or other. No one knows exactly. So, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But there's another whole 
thing that he's playing in Chicago. That song um, where he sings and ends with, he does a little key chain, and he goes, Chicago, and he does this whole key chain. It's a real funny little song. It's a, If you listen to this song and start dissecting it musicologically, um, it is a monochordal, and it is done with this tempo, you know, which is Indian tom-tom tempo with Plains Indian fast dance, mm-hmm. it's called. It's not the only Indian tempo, but it's used in a lot of Westerns um, to indicate um, a coming war with the, between mm-hmm. white people mm-hmm. and, and, and natives, right? And it is the, the tempo of a lot of the war dances. That's the tempo he's playing. He's playing this thing. And so now then we have his quills. Okay, the guy's playing the quills. Quills are a syrinx, a panpipes, little tubes. And in the only known photo of him, he covered his syrinx, with, um, which are little cane pieces, with a piece of with wood, like a little case to keep them from breaking. Because if he went far away from Texas, he had to go back to Texas to get more quills, right? When the lady interviewed him in 1912, um, she asked him, what are, you, what are you playing? And he says, oh, that's the quills. And she said, where did you get it? Meaning kind of like, where does a Negro find out about an ancient Greek instrument, right? She didn't know that it was also an ancient Native American instrument, ancient African instrument. She didn't know. She just said, where did you get it? And he, she, he goes, down on the Brazos River. In other words, that's where he cut the cane, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. so um, he, he, there's then the question. Was this a remnant of African folk music that had been held for 500 years in his family mm-hmm. alone, or did he get it from Native people? Well, the logical response would be he got it from Native people, right? Mm-hmm. Then the question is, was he part Native? He doesn't look at at all. He looks very African, you know, maybe a little admixture of rapist white people, but, you know, but he's basically African-looking. But now we see him with this guy who looks native white black. And it's this kind of thought of, hmm, why are they impersonating natives? Well, to sell this tonic. On his quills in the video, he has what is very recognizable to me as what's now called a rosette. It is a a beaded rosette or medallion, sometimes called a powwow medallion or powwow Mm -hmm. rosette. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh, These yep. were originally done with quills, with porcupine quills or bird feather quills. And when glass beads came in through the colonization of, of the Americas, they were quickly replaced with glass beads. By the by, the late 19th century, everyone did glass beads. I even have some myself. Everybody knows what I'm talking about, I'm sure. And they're still made. You can find patterns for them online. Everybody makes them. And you can still make them out of porcupine quills dyed with you know natural dyes. They're radially symmetrical patterns, right? He's got one of those on his um, syrinx, on the box, on the wooden case of his quills. It's just like, applique, because today I'm an Indian. I'm playing an Indian with my Indian friend. We're, we're doing this powwow thing, right? Which is also real crazy, because there's always this question of that. Why was he, you know, why did the music sound native on that? And not all his songs. Many, many of his songs are melodic, uh, chordal. You know, they're, they're regular songs. That one song is bang, 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 just like that. But it's, and so people say, oh, it's like rap music. Well, no, it's really more like Native American music. So now we have this whole um, kind of Apache, Sioux, Crow type 
Indian thing going on. So anyway, the whole blues music world has exploded. <laughs> I would say so. This is a this is kind of a not just a big deal, but kind of a ghost from the past being revived here. Well, <laughs> yeah, legacy's pretty big too. If I remember correctly, Bob Dylan was inspired by him, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, everybody, everybody. Uh, Can Heat did a copy called uh, Going Up the Country, Don't You Want to Go? Um, yeah, it's a copy. Uh, yeah, yeah, his copy of his Up the Country Blues. Uh, no, no, yeah. I mean, this guy is super, super influential. And I have to, yeah. and I, and, you know, the one thing I thought, Bob Hyde of Can Heat was the guy who had interpreted the music from the uh, 78 RPM record, found some pan pipes or found them from Greece and said, I'm going to have to learn how to play the panpipes now. Because everyone mm. thought, oh, it's a flute. It's not a flute. It's panpipes. And so Bob Hyde, who was a musician and came from a very musical family, his father was a big band leader. Um, and so they can't, he did this version of it, very respectful version, where they're actually playing mm. panpipes. And uh, and he had the panpipes in a holder. I mean, the whole thing, it's all there. Ah. And the thing is, the man wanted to be known. In 1912, he, he lets this white woman, this Sunday school teacher, like he gives her all the lyrics. As soon as he can get recorded, he records the same thing he gave the lyrics to. Kind of like, yes, it's me, right? And then he mm-hmm. shows up in this film. But nobody knew because some, some you know, obscure German-Jewish immigrant guy made these, this silent film made with um, roll after roll after roll of 8-millimeter um, film, and somebody just edited it all together. Mm, that is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. just look at the oh, journey yeah. the journey of how this film made its way, and now in 2021 we're talking about it and we're covering this film. I, I, I don't you know. know. Like, we're, we're still... We're still trying to find out. It just this week was posted on some German documentary art film thing, right? And and they don't even mention the guy was Jewish. The guy comes back. He goes back to Germany, just like my mom. She came to America, and then she had to, you know, her visa ran out. She had to go back to Germany, and then she's like, I got to get out of here. So she finally comes back. He did the same thing. She came back in 38. He came back in 39, and he became an American citizen. Who the fuck knows, man? Wow, wow! And there's so much else on this film. There are, there are, there's a. Oh, I gotta tell you, shit, man! Not only, not only that. There's a whole gypsy horse and wagon with a white horse that says fortune teller on it, with fucking little lion statuettes on it. It's just (laughs) unfucking believable with a curtain. And you would step up into this. It's a very narrow, tall carriage. And you step up inside and get your palm read by the gypsy inside the frickin' carriage. And there is also a guy making balloon toys in the form of Satan. And there's... (laughs) Oh, I'm not kidding. There's a fucking Maharaja with a... He's white. Uh, looks Scottish with a turban on, and he's, we can't tell exactly what he's doing, but he's obviously doing either a scope pitch, horoscope pitch, mentalism act, or something. He's a Raja, yeah, I was right? Just about Raja. To say it. it has to be mentalism. All right, it's mentalism, right? We've got everything. We've got the professor. We've got the engine. We've got the Raja. We've got fucking Henry Thomas and the gypsy and the horse all in one film. So you know oh, what they're studying about this is, There are nuns in white wimples. Nuns this in is, white this wimples. Is like, this is like the, the, the perfect encapsulation of the weird, wacky, cool thing that is the Internet, right? This is a, this yes. Is a, from almost a century ago. 
And here it is popping up. We don't know where, we don't know how, but it's popped up somewhere online. And this is, like, this is one of the reasons why, for all the bad that the Internet does, this is the cool stuff it can also do. I mean, imagine if we didn't have the Internet, we would have never seen this film, right? No, never seen no, it. we would have never seen it. None of that. But now yeah, here it is. No, no, and this, is, this a, is amazing. A piece of culture, a piece of history revived, but also it's helping us rethink this person's life a little bit. Just the, the death date alone that we go, wait a minute, maybe we got, maybe it was wrong. Like that, this is the sort of seismic changes, the exciting sort of things that the internet can really do. I mean, just randomly, was it on Facebook, did you say, or YouTube, or was it? No, it's not. It's on a German a German, uh, you know, like you know, like those cafe sites or Library of Congress. It's a you know very formal right, black right, right, background. Right, right. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Like some I know, this is okay. You got it, and it's only going to be up till like the eighth of May. They only have it like for one, maybe the fifteenth of May. It's one month only, and then they're taking it down, and everyone's ripping copies like fucking crazy. Yeah, I was about to say, like, people screenshot that, save that, download it, do what you got to. Oh, we've screenshotted it. We've blown it up. We've made continuous loops of him playing oh trust me we're with it man we got to keep that stuff in circulation in my opinion oh it's not going away again we've got it now we have it i love it i mean i love it i love it yeah 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 um (laughs) yes Anyway, hi, hi all. That was my news, and Papa G got my 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 reference: nuns in white wimples to knights in white satin. (laughs) Thank you, Papa G. I'm telling you, folks. um, Oh wow! And believe me, we've ripped a copy, and we will be um, yes, it will be part of our library eternally, and we'll be we'll be doing something with it. Not real soon. But, oh, my God, oh, my God. And it's not just that it's Henry Thomas. I mean, it's all of this fortune-telling and everything. Yes, it's yes, all yes. it's the all together. Alone. And there are yeah. a lot of black people in this film, too. It's, now, he's not like the only black guy who's playing guitar and he's a blues musician. No, there's people wow. all over that are black, black yeah, and yeah. white together because Maxwell Street was Jewish. And, in fact, when I was young, uh, before they tore it all down, a lot of my black friends, they referred to Maxwell Street as Jewtown. And um, which was not, you know, was not a mean thing to say. It was just Jewtown, you know. Um, it's like in Memphis, the part where the black people lived was called Shiny Town. Whatever, you know, there was, <laughs> whatever. Um, but in any case, um, Jewtown was this uh, Maxwell Street, and there's a lot of Jews. You can see a lot of little short Jews um, buying and selling things, too, because the guy who did the film was Jewish. There, there's... there's um, food, there's little toys. There's one whole display of nothing but 78 RPM portable record players. Like a whole row of them. Right? I mean, talk about, you know, internally regressive. Wow. And, um, you know, at least for blues fans. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's so much stuff. It's a fucking 66 minute movie. It's very cool. I'm, I'm very excited about this. Yeah, yeah, there's also, there, there's everything. There's also, you know, there's children crying. There's one boy picking a, uh, his fingernails clean. I mean, it's everything, you know. You can go, yeah, there's a guy picking his fingernails clean. Okay. Post-radio show activity has been determined. What are we doing when the show's over? We're going to go and check this out. <laughs> oh, okay. I better shut up now. I just had to unload that. I had to unload it. Folks, it's amazing. And um, I love it. 
Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Out of breath. Today's special <laughs> guest from air is Papa Newt. Oh, Onyx Rose said, sounds like a carnival. No, no, i got to go back. No, it wasn't a carnival. <laughs> this <laughs> this is, was every weekend on Maxwell Street. When I was a kid, by the time I was young, they didn't have horses in the street and fruit peddlers in the street, but um, they had... Um, Record shops, a lot of a lot of Jewish-owned record shops that sold blues music, and they had um, plugs and amps. People would bring their pig nose amp, and they play. You could go out on the street. You would see and hear Howling Wolf. You'd see and hear Lightning Hopkins. You'd see and hear mm-hmm. anybody. I mean, they were all there. Maxwell Street, look, check it out. And um, this is. I have mentioned, okay, this goes back to something that many of you who are my students or have read my books will remember, the Love Me or Die um, Mm -hmm. mojo, right? And I said that this lady taught me this about wrapping it up with school of thread. And I also, in the book on mojos, I mentioned there was this lady, and she wrapped, wrapped up the jack ball with a spool of thread. That lady stood in a hoodoo shop on Maxwell Street and pointed diagonally across the street, and she goes, you go over there into that, that Jew Five and dime. That's where you get the thread. This is where I learned all of that thread wrapping stuff from this one lady who was on Maxwell Street, in, just in the shop, just a customer. But she had this whole thing, and you had to buy a complete bobbin. You had to buy bobbin thread rather than a spool thread, because spool thread might have been too much. But you can, for the let me or die, you could use a whole spool. But she said, well, for this one, you just use a bobbin. Now, a bobbin is a little flat. It's used for a treadle sewing machine. Uh, yeah, so bobbin, right, bobbin thread. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm absolutely, so much hoodoo on Maxwell Street. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, the song Hot Tamales and They're Red Hot by Robert Johnson, a lot of white people go, why is Robert Johnson singing about hot tamales? He's not Mexican. I can tell you that what the biggest thrill of, of that year was when I finally went to Chicago when I was about, um, I was uh, 16, I was an early entrant in college, went to Chicago, went to Maxwell Street, and there was a guy selling hot tamales. And Mm -hmm. um, this was a black uh, thing to make hot tamales and sell them on the street. Black people, it was not Latino. None of these people were Latino. There were no Latino people there. And he's selling hot tamales, and he's shouting out, hot tamales, and they're red hot. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm living in a Robert (laughs) Johnson song. Right? I mean, I just stood there with my mouth open. I didn't know what to say. I was like vibrating with excitement. Like, oh my God, the guy just said hot tamales and they're red hot. And I, and of course, the next line of the song is, yeah, she's got them for sale. And I'm like, okay. I said, you got them for sale? He goes, yeah, I got them for sale. And I'm like, holy fuck, and I bought one. It was a teenager's dream come true. Because that song was recorded like around 1934, 35. And I was there in 1964. 65, 64. So, like, that was 30 years earlier. Now we're talking 100 years of years, you know, gone by. But, mm-hmm. my God, wow. Okay, Maxwell Street. So that was the answer to, to Onyx Rose. Don't ask, don't say it was a carnival. It was Maxwell Street. There's some <laughs> uh, good memoirs of it. There's one memoir website where I contributed some memoirs to. Okay. Done. Thank you, Papa Newt, for your patience. Of course. <laughs> this is exciting history. It was very exciting. Yeah. All right. Our topic this week, oh, my gosh, is introducing new people to Hoodoo. So let's say hi to Papa Newt. Hello, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. So glad to have you back. 
so nice to have you back. For those who are new to this show and new to Hoodoo, Papa Newt was our announcer for many years and um, and just a wonderful friend, and um, welcome back. Um, oh, thank you. Which is not to say we don't love our current announcer, Evan, a whole lot. He's doing an <laughs> excellent love- job, Evan. <laughs> We've always yeah. been blessed with great announcers, from Tammy Lee We've to Papa blessed, Newt to yeah, Evan. Blessed with good announcers, Tammy Lee going way back, way back. And Dr. Jeremy Weiss was our music, announcer, too. Yeah, we've had when the music was playing, I, I just, in the back of my mind, it's still there. It's like when once that, once that certain note hits, I'm just like ready to go. I was like, wait, no, 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 not yet. No, that's not, not my place. <laughs> that's nice. Well, well, that's very nice to hear. Um, yeah, it's like riding a bicycle. You never forget. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so... Introducing new people to hoodoo, there's two reasons to do so, okay? One reason is they never heard of hoodoo, maybe never heard of magic. The other reason, they're young. Two different reasons, two different trajectories into hoodoo. Mm -hmm. Now, the young Mm -hmm. can be um, people who come from the community, the black community, and but they're still just young. They're young. They're going, oh, they, my grandmother used to do it, but my mom doesn't. And, you know, So they can be introduced to hoodoo. Um, so this isn't only about introducing outsiders to hoodoo. It's about introducing anyone mm-hmm. who's new mm-hmm. to hoodoo. I'm sometimes almost kind of embarrassed when black kids and young black women uh, post on the Lucky Mojo forum. I'm a newbie, and I'm like, no, no, you already have more in your little finger than half the people I'm trying to teach. But, you know, they're... Their great-grandmother did it and and passed away, and and so they consider themselves a newbie. Newbies that are outsiders are another... um, mm, uh, Newbies that are outsiders is a whole other story, okay? (laughs) So um, I wrote a little thing. I'm going to just tell you that what I wanted to do today was we're going to talk about how best to introduce young and new folks to hoodoo, root work, and conjure, including getting them hooked up with the Lucky Mojo Forum, personal mentors in person, spellcasting coaches, maybe through the Internet, tradition-rich instructional books, helpful podcasts, local community members, and qualified teachers. Okay, take it mm. away, Papa Newt. <laughs> well, thank you. It's it's. An interesting um, thing to see because, uh, you know, I, I work at a shop here in, in Omaha and we do get a wide variety of people coming in and um, and they are new. And I, I think really with this pandemic, uh, with people having a lot of extra time over the years, kind of uh, had an interest in, in reading all types of things. Um, but you really, I mean, there are, mm, how to begin? Oh, my goodness. Hold on here. I had a train of thought, and it just escaped <laughs> me. I do apologize, Miss Cat. Um, <laughs> really, it's, it's, it's an interesting area of focus that people do have an interest in, in magic or folk magic, be it, um, mm-hmm. um, uh, 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 be it hoodoo, or they get into, like, uh, uh, they read a book of trolldom or such things like that. And, and then they, they don't know where to start, where to go. They read something in the book, and then there's like, well, 
I can do this spell, I can use that, or I had somebody come in because they heard the, to use graveyard dirt for protection, and they came in and said, oh, I, I got this, uh, these two graveyard dirts from some serial killers, one from Lincoln and the one that did the Van Mars shooting. And I was like, no. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. No. It, it's it's um, that... That education is is so needed, but it's people need to seek out those sources. I mean, the Lucky Mojo Forum mm-hmm. is is a, is a good start. Um, the books that have been published by Lucky Mojo, but even just finding um, um, somebody to 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 talk with uh, a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, when I lived in Kansas City, I think the best experience I ever had was meeting uh, uh, Mother Rosie or, or Bishop Class. And mm-hmm. when I first met her, it you know it was just sitting and talking and whatnot, and but it was just in those moments of just talking, it, 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 little little things will come out. We'll talk about the weather. We'll talk about stuff going on in the city, and then she would start talking about you know little things of like oh this candle you know uh, we're talking about a situation. It's like you know that you need to keep keep trouble out of your home, here's this candle, and we use this oil, and this is why, or, and she'll say prayers from her heart, and it was just so intense and an experience that I wished I could have it again, and um, that is one thing with the, with the pandemic that has been a big concern of mine is, I before the pandemic, I was slowly just starting to reach out and slowly starting to meet people and, and just kind of um, learning about them. And now some of them are gone. And that's mm-hmm. gone, right. Yeah. And so it's a matter of preserving as well. Um, but for anybody just getting started, you know, do take your time. Um, ask your questions. You know, go, go into to a shop um, um, if, if preferably, if, you, if there is a local candle shop, which, um, you know, go in, be respectful, ask questions. You know, if it is an elderly uh, uh, person running the place, help them out. It's the that. same thing. I'm going to mention two names here, and I'm so glad that you got to um, deal with Miss um, Rosie Glass, Reverend Reverend Rosie Glass, because um, and I remember telling you, you got to go find her. She won't be around forever, and you did it. And I'm so glad you did because now you have some experience with a real practitioner um, who, you know, helped build the tradition in Kansas City. I'm going to give two other names in Sacramento. There was a man named Mr. Keys. His name was Eddie Keys, and he had a, a hoodoo shop and. Um, there are so many people in Sacto when I say, well, did you ever go to Mr. Key's shop, uh, Mr. Candle? And, and they, the ones who say yes, I know know their business. A lot of them say, oh, yeah, I always thought about it, but I never went there. The man had the mm. shop like virtually all his life. He died. It's gone. And there is no good hoodoo shop left in Sacramento, as far as I know, at this time, of that kind of you know, mm-hmm. down-home black neighborhood hoodoo shop. I'm not talking about mm-hmm. metaphysical shops. There are a lot of good ones. But I'm talking about what Mr. Keyes had. And um, But one of my students went there and said, oh, you know, he's very old and frail. And I'm like, Mm-hmm. Duh. <laughs> yes, he's very old and frail. Can you help him lift candles? It's the same thing I, I said um, 
to you and, and to also to Professor Rames, you know, help the old person lift the boxes of candles. Now, mm-hmm. I had a similar experience in Oakland with Bishop White at the Egypt candle shop. You know, every year she was a little frailer, and finally one day all the candles had been delivered and, you know, dropped off the dolly or truck, you know, in stacks on the floor, and they weren't on the shelves. And I said, do you need help getting these on the shelf? And she goes, no, I'll get around to it. I said, well, how about you let me do it? And we talk while I lift the candles and put them on the shelf. And so I did. Mm-hmm. And um, and she, you know, she lived another two years, two and a half years maybe, maybe three. But I'm just saying you can see when the person gets tooled to lift the candles onto the shelves, you better be yeah. there ready to catch every word of wisdom that falls from their mouth because that's, yeah. that's what they need. They need someone to listen. And you need to be the one who hears it. And the best time to do it is picking up the candles and putting them on the shelves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really well said. I think the ability to be a, a student is one of the main takeaways. From but Before you find all the resources, you've got to have the ability to say, I'm willing to learn. And I think that's something yeah. that's gotten lost in the Internet world is that people pick up a book, they read it, and the next thing you know, they've set up a shop. Um, or they learn a couple things, you know, like, oh, I've learned this, this candle spell, or I've learned this particular jar working, and now I'm going to teach other people to do it. And I'm like, that's admirable. I get it. I love the idea of sharing information. It's good. But at some point, you've got to just, be say, just say, I'm willing to be a student. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to right. just set aside and listen, and that listening component is important. It's how I learned. Mama J taught me by me helping around with her clients. Little things like, can you make sure that you watch this particular candle? Can you put these herbs in this particular box? Just small things like that. Before I ever did any form of working, before I did any form of prayer work, before I did anything, it was just helping out and listening listening to help how she helped her clients, listening to the things she said, telling me, ah, this, for example, I knew that this person was hot-footed because they did this, 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 and this. And in my mind, I go, okay, so these are the signs of a person who's been hot-footed, right? Like, so it's about being able to just sit there and listen and receive wisdom. That's what it mm-hmm. is, received mm-hmm. wisdom. It's a cultural tradition that is passed down. And while the Internet has done amazing things of recovering lost knowledge, connecting us globally, one of the worst effects, in my opinion, is that it has killed our ability to be students. Everybody right. wants to be an expert. Everyone wants to be the next big hotshot. Everyone wants to be a meme. Everyone wants to go viral or become social media famous. Sometimes I'm often struck by someone like, I've just learned this technique. Let me show you how it's done. And then they spend... You know, they write 10 blog posts and and Facebook messages and whatnot about how they're going to teach everybody this one technique. I'm going, darling, you just learned it two days ago. (laughs) Let Let it settle in your brain and soul first before you go teaching other people. And I think that's the first step. So if you, want to, if you want to become a really good hoodoo practitioner, you really want to learn this stuff, you want to find those blogs, those podcasts, those great books, the websites okay. at Lucky Mojo, they will only be a benefit to you if you first have the ability to say, I'm willing to learn, and then spend time learning. Yeah. No one becomes a hoodoo worker overnight. Take a couple of months. Yeah. Take a few years. Learn it. Let it settle into your bones, and you will mm-hmm. see the results from it. Right. That's right. Well, um, you know, I have also found something else uh, along those lines. Um, I put out a, a little line of $9 books that are focused on either conditions like, you know, 
cleansing or yep. or maybe yep. it might be focused on the condition of finding uh, money, you know, getting money. might be focused on the condition of love. Right. And I also put out books that are on methodology, you know, how to do things mm-hmm. with honey, how to do things yeah. with baths, how to do things by making mojos. And um, I just read a review, of, a negative review of my book on mojos at Amazon, and it was very frustrating because the person said, well, this book doesn't give the, the context, it doesn't give the whole history of hoodoo. And I'm like, uh, that's another book. You know, mm-hmm. every book uh, can't give the whole history of hoodoo. If you want a recipe book called Pennsylvania Dutch Recipes, you'll be happy with it because it is what it says, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. Dutch Recipes. It's right. not the right. joy of cooking, which has five Pennsylvania Dutch recipes and a bunch of French ones and a bunch of Spanish mm-hmm. ones and some Italian and some Chinese. It's not that book. And so there is a place for instructional books that are specifically instructional. They are mm-hmm. not designed for the newbie to learn the basics of the black experience in America. They're not right. there for people to learn about the role of the Baptist Church in Hoodoo. They're not there for people to learn about, you know, will there be three times blowback if you do a cursing spell in Hoodoo? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that. These are books on how to make a mojo, how to take a bath, you know. I'm working right now right. on one on sex magic and Papa G and I are collaborating on one called uh, How to Use Amulets, Charms, and Talismans in Hoodoo. Right, pocket right. pieces, mojo bags. It's just sort of all yeah. of the things. Of course, mojo bags are in there. Mojo bags are also in the book called Bottle Up and Go because it's about container spells. Mm-hmm. So there's always a little right. overlap. But the idea is just get into it and learn the different facets of the tradition. Right, if you want to learn right. candle well, that, spells, that, buy a candle spell book. That, that's a result of what a, the Wikipedia effect. Everyone assumes that all knowledge has to be on one page, <laughs> right? The, yeah. They've come to expect right. this idea that I'm going to pick this book up and it's going to tell me every single thing I want to know about Hoodoo from the very beginning to the very end. And every, oh, I didn't have this love spell, so this must be a shit book. No, no, that's not mm-hmm. how it works. Knowledge is piecemeal. Knowledge is collected. It's collated. It's, right? there's, a, there's a component to it where you just have to sit and learn. You're not going to learn it all from one book just like you're not going to learn mm-hmm. it all from one source. You've got to be able to have the patience. You've got to have the diligence to be able to collect, to look through. Those books should be used as links. Okay, so this book talks about candle spells, but I need to know more about it. So maybe I should pick up the candle book spell so I can learn about the candle book. Ah, in this candle book they talked about praying. So maybe I should pick up that prayer. So what you're doing is you're starting to build, collate, and collect, and draw it all together. Learning is a social experience. It is not monks in a monastery reading books. It's very important. I, I want us to shake out of that idea. I think we perpetuate this with the ivory tower university forms. The reality is that knowledge is a social experience, and more importantly, it's a cultural experience. This is why I loved the, the beginning of the show when you talked about Henry Thomas, because guess what? That is part of hoodoo. You've got to mm-hmm. be able to listen to blues music. You've got to be able to look at that video with all the imagery and go, ah, okay, I'm getting it now. Things are clicking now. That's part of it as well. Don't think that you're going to be able to pick up a book, one book and learn it all. No, you're going to have to listen to songs. You're going to have to go listen to live teachers, go to podcasts, go to, go to festivals, right? Whether they're on mm-hmm, right, go to festivals, exactly. You've got to do all these different things because the knowledge accumulates. It builds over time. And that's when knowledge transforms from things you've learned from information into wisdom. And it's from wisdom that we draw our power and produce. Mm-hmm. Right. Papa G said something in the 
in the chat. He says, I get bad reviews on my How to Use Magical Oils book all the time because they can't find recipes to make their own oils. Did I say it was a recipe book? Is that the description of the book? No. <laughs> and um, this is this is really true. The following Amazon reviews just leads you down little rabbit holes to where you find very angry, snapping rabbits at the back <laughs> of the hole. Um, you know, it's just like, Short I, I don't even get it. Why, why, you know, he, he's right. His book says how to use the oils. Um, same thing with um, the book by Anna Riva, Golden Secrets of Mystic Oils. People come in the shop all the time. What do I want this book for? It doesn't have the recipes. No, it's how to use the oils. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah. very important yeah. uh, part of learning is how, learn how to read the title of a book and learn how to read what the book is about. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the other thing um, I do want to say here is about um, Internet communities. We can't all be, um, you know, connected socially, yeah. especially in these pandemic times. But there yeah. are people, and I've talked about this before, so I don't want to you know, be a broken record here, but there are people who click, 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 tell me there are no black people on Facebook, there are no black people on Instagram, there are no black people on Twitter, Ooh, it's all white, yeah. white, white, how can yeah. I meet black people? To which I say, you're dumb. You're dumb. Yeah. You may be too dumb to teach at this point too stupid to teach. So I explained to them, if there wasn't, you know, black Facebook, black Twitter, black Instagram, why are they called that? <laughs> because mm-hmm. they're there. But also, you just also, have, to, you mean, have I... to go there and be part of it. And if you can, if you can um, say hi to people, um, say hello, then you know you, you're going to meet some people and they will teach you something. So the other one is the belief that hoodoo is a secret initiatic tradition and they're uh, afraid yeah. to ask afraid to ask any black person about it because, oh, my God, I'm not initiated. And they're going to be mean and they're going to be mm-hmm. mad at me. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the truth is hoodoo isn't initiatic. It's folk magic. So the first thing to do if you are not black and need to be introduced to hoodoo is turn the mirror on yourself and learn about the folk magic of your culture. That doesn't mean you have to stay constrained to it. I am not saying mm-hmm. everyone should only do the folk magic of their culture. I'm saying Look at it so that you know what folk magic looks like. Right. If if in your family there is no folk magic, then you've got to go mm-hmm. back a whole step and learn about folk magic from a, like a worldwide undergraduate mm-hmm. college perspective. Very few of us have to. Most people, they say, well, there's no folk magic in my family. And I'm like, okay. And when you were a little child and your baby teeth fell out, what happened to those teeth? And everybody says either they say they got put under the pillow or they say I got money for them. And I, and I would say if, you, if they say I got money, I'd say who gave you the money? And they say well the tooth fairy. And then they laugh. And I'm like and the tooth fairy is not magic. And they're like oh yeah I guess the tooth fairy is magic. I said you don't have to be initiated to know about the tooth fairy. It's not a religion. We don't worship the tooth fairy. We don't set up altars to the tooth fairy. It's folk magic. And so mm-hmm. once they turn the mirror on themselves and start to see how folk magic is part of their family's tradition, then they don't feel that they cannot learn about the folk magic of another family. And I mm-hmm. tell them, you know, so this is black folk magic, root work, conjure, hoodoo is black folk magic. But once you learn about hoodoo, you also may find that you want to learn about Japanese folk magic. You might get a kick out of Stregoria, you know, uh, Sicilian folk magic. There's a lot out there. 
And it's not just one culture being better than the other. There's a lot of people to be, oh, I want to study, these are white people, I want to study hoodoo because it's so natural. It's all done with herbs. And I'm like, Stregoria isn't. You know, Stregoria isn't. What? What? What are you talking about? You know? So there's this kind of um, shuffling black experience into this natural, primitive um, yeah. uh, valence, yeah. which it does not uh, want to own. And but you have to again look at your folk magic. Is your folk mm-hmm. magic primitive? If you are white, mm-hmm. I always ask them, do you know any way to take off warts? Oh, yeah, you put a potato. And that's not primitive botanical mm-hmm. folk magic. You put a potato? A potato on your skin? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Right. Why is that not? Why does that seem natural to you but not um, the exotic culture you wanted to learn about? So the yeah. first thing yeah. as a teacher that I do is to get them to turn the mirror on themselves, the examination on themselves, and once they grasp the the sea of folk music, then they can go mm-hmm. swim over to that other part of the sea where black folk magic is located. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, there's a, there's this real burden, I think, or expectation that you've got to sort of learn it all. I encourage people to take their time <laughs> to wade into the waters, right, to, to immerse yourself, to accumulate knowledge, to connect culturally and to the community. But I also tell people that it's okay if you find that something you really like and you just want to stick to that. Like let's say you really, really love jar spells, and that's what you're, it works for you. You've learned all this other stuff that you really want to focus on. That's perfectly fine. You don't need to do it all in order to be a hoodoo practitioner, right? You don't need to, 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 to spend a lifetime mastering all of the sacred secrets of hoodoo. You can, you can find what works for you. You really are good at mojos. So you're going to become a mm-hmm. mojo maker, right? That's good for you. I had a student, um, brilliant, extraordinarily talented, but who only wanted to work with sweet jars. And uh, that was her strength with sweet jars. She never did any other forms of working. She was not really interested in making mojos or anything like that, but she's a very accomplished lobbyist now, and she uses sweet jars. She uses honey jars and sweet jars to get what she wants. But that was her, mm-hmm. that was her focus. She, that's mm-hmm. what she, she, her, her grandmother had used them. She had seen it, but she didn't know how to make it, so she came to me. I taught her. We she spent a long time, and she was deeply immersed in learning the tradition, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. sweet jars were her thing, and that's what she wanted to do. And there's something quite liberating in that, the sense that you don't have to do it all. Like, you, you, get, these, you get these young root workers that are like, and I do cursing work, and I do loving work, I love work, and I do justice work, and I do this. And I go, okay, what, are you, what is your passion? What are you good at? What is your strength? Oh, I can do it all. Are you sure you can do it all? You end up kind of drowning in all of it, you, and you get lost. And sometimes you, I'll see these, these people who have started hooting and say, I've forgotten how to do a court case working. Well, then why did you take on court case? Why did you take on that client? Oh, you know, because I had to. So take your time, learn slowly, but also allow the past to unfold before you. Follow the things that work for you. Follow things that resonate with you. You don't have to be the end-all, be-all of hoodoo in order to be an authentic practitioner of it. I I got something to say about this with respect to cooking. Anyone of, who's a, uh, any one of us who knows how to cook, you know, it's like Papa Newt said when he heard the theme music playing, he knows how to do the announcing, right? It's it's there, it's mm-hmm. in your brain. 
anybody who's ever, um, you know, fried a steak, anybody who's ever cooked an omelet, anybody who's ever tossed mm-hmm. a salad will not forget. But baking is different than cooking. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even the professional bakers go to a written text to get, was it a quarter teaspoon or a half a teaspoon? Yes. That's going to make a fuck yes. of a lot of difference, right, yes. of baking yes. soda, right? And so my uh, evil stepfather, who was a professional chef, he made everything on the fly. You'd ask him how much was in it. He'd say, no, it's a pinch of this. It's a handful of that. I just do it so it tastes mm-hmm. like the one at the Del Monte Hotel. I learned this one from my grandmother. He could make anything. But mm-hmm. when he came to baking, he opened up the book, yes. and he got his ingredients yes. in order. So it's the same in hoodoo. There are combinations that are not yeah. just seat of your pants. No matter how good your memory is, mm-hmm. you're yeah. still going to need to make notes. And those notes are your notes. Um, in Hoodoo, we do not call that a book of shadows. Uh, well, I don't know what we call it. My recipe book, my formula book, my notes. Um, those are what you need, and they may include combinations for mojos. For instance, you could wing it. You go, I need, I, I want to put five things in this mojo. I need one, two, three, and you just grab them off the shelf if you have a shelf that has them on it. Yep. But if you don't, you might say, oh, shoot, I, I left out that other one, and it was so good. Now i got six of them. Okay, well, now we'll go with six. Better had you written down how you made the really perfect mojo. And that's what some of these books I'm releasing are, the book on mojos. For instance, this is a lifetime of my mojos. You know, and um, so that's why I call them receipt books or recipe books. Um, that's a sharing that doesn't teach you, again, the whole tradition, but for mojos and for making oils, um, there are a few things like that where it's really better just to have a written record of what you do. For other things like how to light a candle, you don't mm-hmm. need a written instruction on how to light a candle. Once, twice, three times, you're in. You'll do it for life. So Papa Newt. You're working in a very large shop, and this is a metaphysical new age and everything shop, right? Correct. So when people come in, do and I'm going to just be real blunt here. You're white mm-hmm. and and yes. Polish to boot, so you're real white, mm-hmm. okay? Um, yep. So well, just saying, just in case people don't know, you <laughs> said real white. Um, and um, uh, so, do they ever? I mean, do they? come to you and go, oh, you're the hoodoo expert, teach me about hoodoo, or they just sort of wander around wondering until somebody says, go over to see Papa Newt. How does it work that you become a conductor into a black folk tradition in a mostly white shop? It's, you know, a lot of times it's mostly just um, uh, if somebody's having a situation and one of my coworkers just doesn't know how to handle it. They're like, oh, let's, let's mm-hmm. go talk to Papa Newt. And mm-hmm. I'll sit down and talk with him a little bit. There will be times where they might be um, uh, looking at a book. Um, and I'll, I'll just kind of strike up a little conversation to, to talk to them about that. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm kind of a fine balance where I'm just like, I, I'm one that I, I grew up very just keeping to myself, which is a bad habit. It is a bad habit. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, I, I just do my thing and help out. But then, you know, when they start talking about, well, I'm not sure how to do this, I was like, well, let's talk about it, and I'll present some ideas. Or they get the red folder. That's probably the only time I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm in there. <laughs> you know? um, and that's, uh, yeah, it, uh, I always read every Wednesday at the store, too. So it's like people come in, and they start to realize, oh, my God, I didn't know you did this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I, I just tell him, it's like, you know, I am, I'm just, I, I am here to, to be of service, to help out. I do get folks that come in that they did lose a, a grandmother or, or a family member once did something, and, and the, the parents don't talk about it. And it's like, well, to the best of my abilities, I, I, I can only guess that this sounds like, you know, that, but, you know, that, that, you know I try to help them to kind of piece together a family tradition that I have to, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things I say, especially when I'm dealing with white uh, clients, is if there are any black people in the shop, when the white clients are asking about who do, I immediately try to involve the black uh, clients, mm-hmm. customers, and employees and say, well, let's go over and talk with so-and-so. Oh, she may know something. I want to get mm-hmm. them habituated to talking to black people. It's very mm-hmm. important to, for those white newbies to understand they can't just go in and rip out little pieces of it and mm-hmm. then bring it back mm-hmm. to their Wicca mm-hmm. friends and say, I learned hoodoo. I'm not trying to say that they all do that, but it happens. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things I do. I, over the years, I've become much more out front and outspoken about saying I'm Jewish because mm-hmm. um, I want people, especially on the phone, uh, mm-hmm. people will say, you know, um, uh, oh, Miss Ken, I thought you were black. And I'm saying, no, no, I'm Jewish, but I learned this a long time ago. I, I learned it back in the day, and, you know, when I was 14 years old is when I really started taking formal instruction, although I had already learned it from my school friends. So I try to make that clear, and I also usually tell people, but, and if you want to know about Jewish folk magic, put my hand up. I can teach you that, too, but that's not what I'm doing yeah. here today and now because there's plenty of other Jews teaching Jewish folk magic. There's plenty of other black mm-hmm. people teaching black folk magic, but when I got on the Internet, there was not. So here I am. So I tell people, I'm, I just started by holding my hands out, being given all these beautiful, precious gems of wisdom, and now I sit there with my hands out and saying, this is for all my black friends and neighbors. This is for you. If white people come around, can I have one, too? Sure you can, honey. Sure you can. I, can. I have no problem. But I didn't put this on the Internet to teach white people. But I have no prejudice against them. And if they're sincere, of course, they're great. And they're, look, at the, look at our uh, chat list. we got black people. we got white people. we we got a, um, a, a Sicilian down there at the bottom, Tony I. Um, I. I always, you know, and I always use that metaphor where it's like, you know, when it comes to, to hoodoo, I'm, I'm a guest in this household. So, you know, I, mm-hmm. I enter the household with respect. You know, I'm not going to put my feet up on the table, belt, and do all that stuff. No, it's like I'm going to, you know, I, I'm a guest in this household. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's mm-hmm. how I, I strive to, mm-hmm. to look at it. I'll go even further. I'm a servant in the household, and that's my role. Yeah. I'm a servant. Now, mm-hmm. now I'm sort of singing that gospel song, Sit Down, Servant. <laughs> okay, well, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we have a we have a an Arab here for again for people who don't know a conjurman mm-hmm. is uh well Pashtun Arab what do you what are you Afghani Middle Eastern yeah Middle yeah. Eastern there you go <laughs> whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever I mean, from I li- Middle quite, East. quite literally adopted into the tradition I was not raised in Hudu in any way shape or form I'm a J a uh, saw me writing uh, weird scribbles and chalk out on the sidewalk. <laughs> When yeah. I was 10 years old and kind of loomed over me and said, what are you doing, man? So I'm um, practicing. It was part of the training I had as a child in the Middle Eastern tradition. And she recognized some of the symbols. And she goes, these are magic symbols. And I'm like, yeah. 
It's like, oh, I've got something to show you. So that was my entryway completely. And so I, I sympathize. I entirely resonate with the idea of being both a guest and a servant and giving back to, to the tradition. But also yeah. a reminder is that, that we're living in a completely unique age in the same way that we talked about uh, the kind of beauty of the Internet uh, to bringing, bringing back Henry Thomas. This is a very different from when I was growing up, right? It's like I had a I had a teacher that taught me, and then I found Cat in the 2000s. I'm like, oh my god, it's online, right? There right. Forum. But now look at 2021. You've got the Lucky Mojo Forum. You've got a podcast mm-hmm. here, the radio mm-hmm. show, which also people forget builds an actual archive. You can listen after mm-hmm. the show. That's a digital archive of thousands of hours. Yeah. knowledge right there. You've got yeah. the books available. You've got workshops. This is, in many ways, probably the most unique moment in Hoodoo history. Most That's accessible, true. most available than any time before. That That is true. And um, I'm grateful that I had a part in it, just the same way I'm grateful that I got to live long enough to see a video. God, a video. A video of fucking Harry <laughs> Thomas. I mean, I can't even begin. But it's the same... It's the same thing. Do you remember? Is, um, yeah. I used to I used to rave and scream to my students about the 1935 March of Time newsreel Harlem's mm-hmm. Black Magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone, yeah. I had to rip a copy of it. Okay, <laughs> that was one of those transformative moments. Also, that was 1935. Someone videoed yeah. a bunch of yes. of hoodoo stuff, including including Roger Rabo's shop. You know, yep. and um, yep. you know, and you can look it up in Google Street View and find where it was. I mean, you know, right. damn. So things have things have become more accessible, but the same old racial prejudices are still there, and we still have to rule it out. And we have to give, um, you know, that little Black History Month lecture at the beginning because. Um, Racism. I'm not saying all whites are racism. It's not what I'm saying. Please don't say that I said it. But but there is this undertone of, that is uh, ignorance. I was taught to be nice and call it ignorance and not racism. Um, uh, there is this undertone of ignorance that we do have to talk about. Now, I'm, now people are saying, why is she saying we? She's not black. Well, we all need to, even the white people, even the Arabs, even the Mm -hmm. Polish people, even the Sicilians, even the Jews. We all have to rule out racism, and we all have to Mm -hmm. honor, credit, uphold, support, and Mm -hmm. magnify the black experience that is hoodoo. Yeah, and I think that's also get involved in the community. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And the recognition that we're not looking at a collection of spells. We're looking Mm -hmm. at a body of tradition cultural, spiritual tradition. It's got uh, specific markers, uh, specific symbols, specific types of meaning. Why is it that we talk about prayer so much? We're not talking about incantations. We pray prayer. That tells you something. So you're not looking at a body of spells. You're looking at a cultural, spiritual tradition. Amen. (laughs) Amen. All right, there's our music, and we're going to take a client now. Absolutely. Stay tuned. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your host, Catherine Ironwood, Conjure Man, and this week's special guest, Papa Newt, will be right back. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners 
located online at readersandrootworkers.org and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phone and talk to our first client. And just bear with me one moment while I pull up our new entry, which appears to be calling from 434. And we have Hound and Hurt in our chat and on the line. Hound and Hurt, are you there? Hi, yes. Hey, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and for trusting us with your situation. As per your entry, it looks as though you have not had a reading with either Conjurman, Miss Cat, or our guest. Is that correct? That's correct. Lovely. Thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead and read your brief synopsis. And Hound and Hearth writes, For most of my 31 years of life, I've struggled with cyclical health issues and difficulty with saving money. I would like to know what might be influencing my health and finances negatively and what can be done to strengthen and protect them. I am the fourth of my name. My father, grandfather, and I are all named after my great-grandfather. I recently learned my great-grandfather committed suicide and my grandfather discovered his body. Is there a curse or some other darkness from the tragic death of the man from whom three generations were named that might be affecting my health and finances? Sorry to hear that, Hound and Hearth, and I'm turning it over to you, Ms. Cass. Wow. 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 That's, uh, that's heavy. And, um, uh, well, I, I could read that right now just out of the air, yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> but, uh, but um, I, yeah, you're on the right track. Uh, that is absolutely true, Hound and Hearth. But um, I'm going to ask a couple of questions, as I always do. What is your sign mm-hmm. of the Zodiac? I'm a Libra with a Gemini moon and a Leo rising. Mm. That's interesting. I bet you're very intelligent. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> do you have Do you have any kind of an academic background, or? Um, yeah, I double majored in college. Um, I'm in a career field that I had no experience in, and I kind of have done a lot of different things in life. I jump around. <laughs> that's the Gemini, yeah, the Gemini, Libra, yeah. Libra, Did you say Leo yeah, right? You, it, that, that's a very, just, just to say to, to folks, that's a very, it's a combination that indicates an above average intelligence. Um, and uh, so congratulations on that. I mean, what, they may have given you a curse or a, or a darkness, but they also gave you some smarts. Um, all right, we're going to have um, uh, I'm going to have uh, Ali doing the first reading, and he's going to be reading cards. And so I'm going to ask Papa Newt, are you going to read bones, or it might be kind of appropriate to read bones for this one since it's ancestral. Yeah, actually, um, let me locate where I have my bones. Okay, well you got you got a few minutes because Ali's going to do the cards, <laughs> okay? And then yeah. I'm going to come back uh, with the root work advice. All right, just a, all right, take it away, uh, uh, Contraman. Thanks. I'm actually not going to read cards. I'm going to read a horary chart that I cast uh, just because I thought it was. was, uh, But uh, just a quick question. You said you were a Leo rising. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. That's significant there. So, yeah, I casted uh, a horary chart. For those that don't know, this is a chart for the exact moment that the question is asked uh, and looking at the stars, if you will, a horoscope. 
um, that we can then use to really dig in to get specific details here. Um, so the, this particular horary, we look to the 12th house, which is a house of curses, things dealing with the past, ancestral issues. And so we're trying to see, is there a curse going on? Is it ancestral or is this a cyclical matter? And the, the answer is very obviously, very clearly, even before the chart was cast, yes, but confirmed by this. In the 12th house is Virgo, so we look to the ruler of Virgo, which is Mercury. Mercury is found in the 8th house of curses and illnesses mm. next to Venus. And Venus is the significator of you because Libra is rising right now. So quite literally, the planet that is you and the planet that is the curses are right next to each other on top of each other at 13 degrees. 13 wow. is the key number here, right? So this is why horror is really cool. It kind of really gives us very specific details right there. Now, it uh, happens to ha also coincide with the sun being in Taurus as well in that eighth house. So we have the sun, the, the significator of health. We have Venus, the significator of yourself. We have Mercury, the significator of the curse, all in the eighth house of illnesses, of diseases, of sickness, of, um, of trauma, all right there, very in close, tight formation with one another. And for those that read the outer signs, we should know that Uranus has been in Taurus, too, so there's a, there's a fourth planet there, the outer planet. Wow, of Uranus, man. Disruptions of disruptions and upheavals. So the answer is very obviously yes, this is an issue. Now, the 12th house matters always are matters of the past, matters of curses, but they're not just any sort of curse. They're genuine curses that are long-lasting, that are enduring, that are cyclical, that may be tied to the motions of the moon and whatnot. The fact that uh, this particular uh, Mercury actually uh, falls into its own term, which is a smaller division of the uh, uh, of the signs that's used in traditional astrology, is an indication that this is likely uh, some type of cyclical uh, curse, that you will find moments where it waxes and when it wanes, moments when it increases and it's particularly problematic and it's made uh, worse. Now, you said you're currently 31 years old. Is that right? Yes. So this is the reason I asked this and also why um, I asked your rising sign is that in traditional astrology, there's a way of also breaking down the natal chart. So I haven't looked at your natal chart. I don't know what it is, but I do encourage you at some point to get one done because I think it's this ancestral curse might be timed to some astrological matters. But when we break down, there's multiple ways of breaking down a person's life. They're known as the fardars. There's also known as the intahaz in Arabic, uh, referred to in Latin, the perfectio or perfection, which is basically breaking down a person's life according to chapters. And 31 in the medieval uh, tradition is the eighth house year, meaning that the year in which all the illnesses, sicknesses, diseases, weaknesses, curses, it's activated. And it is in the eighth house that we see all these planets piling up in the horary chart. So here's how the horary is linked to that natal mm. chart that you've got. That eighth house is kind of coming right to the forefront. So whoever does your, your natal chart will be able to examine that eighth house and see it as the dominant influence. But what that also means is because it's the dominant influence, this is the year where you can break that, the year where you can remove that and remove that cycle from perpetuating itself. So there's a double meaning to the eighth house being activated in your chart, which is likely uh, going to be Pisces, and we'd look to the rulership of Jupiter and whatnot to see what was going on with those cycles. So 
in answer, yes, there is an ancestral curse here. It seems to be tied cyclically. This seems to be a reverberating down the generation, but is repeated some form of astrological component to it, some form of timing component. It might be the moon. It might be a particular time when the sun ingresses. You'll be able to figure that out. But if there's also a message here that you will be able to break free and undo this. You will need a third party to intervene in between that Venus and that Mercury, someone to step in to give insight and break you from this particular curse. That's what I see here. I'm going to turn this over to Papa Newt, who's going to do a bone reading to tap into the power of the ancestors. And then we're going to have Miss Cat, who is well-versed in breaking these type of curses, uh, come in and give some consultation for you. Thank you. Now, I will say I actually uh, ended up doing two different readings because I was going to just read playing cards because they're right here at, at my at my desk. But then uh, got messaged about bones. I was like, yeah, oh, they're in my office down in the basement. I ran and grabbed <laughs> them. But real quick, I'm just going to tell you what the playing cards were. It's like I'm seeing yes because I have the three of hearts showing that family connection, the blood. You know, that's definitely family. And then right there is the seven of so that right there, right in the smack in the middle is like a major problem that's taking, uh, that is, you know, jabbing at you, jabbing at the family, causing problems. And right after the five of spades, which is showing the problems of the body uh, uh, taking effect. Now, um, looking at the bones that I tossed out, then it's just like, okay, well, this is interesting. Um, I do have my uh, little porcelain uh, uh, doll head that is out that I have as a representation of ancestral spirits that are present here. And I have, uh, I have a little claw, um, a little claw that is laying here that is facing towards the, the doll head as if the claws are attacking, um, causing problems and hurt. Here I do see the, uh, and that is to the right of the domino, which is a representation of you, um, and underneath the domino, I am showing that there is a, a double bead that is present. This is also showing additional um, elements of, of, of influences that are causing you problems. It's just right underneath them that you just, you know something's wrong, but you just can't put your finger on it. Um, so there is definitely something here that is causing problems. I have, I have the wishbone. Um, uh, that, uh, my wishbone broke recently, and it's what happens. I shake my bones and toss them out. And I have both of the wishbone pieces on the mat. And when I have both pieces on the mat, that is showing broken dreams. Things are, are not as they once were. Wow. Wow. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, uh, that's pretty intense. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going to I'm going to um, kind of throw in a little bit of an idea here too. By the way, um, contraband, I just threw up a horror chart too, just to follow along with you. And uh, <laughs> oh my, indeed. And I I don't know yep. if you mentioned because you were going very very fast, but there's also Leo rising. And all of that mm-hmm. stuff, there's the Uranus and Taurus and all that stuff in Aquarius. And um, and there's uh, the moon in Scorpio, and the Leo is the blank place of a grand cross. Right? Mm. So the Leo rising, this would be affecting the natal chart, you see. I just So mm-hmm. why call in now and put yourself out in public with your Leo rising? Because blammo, all of that stuff is making a grand cross. Just saying. <laughs> 
you know, just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. astrology is f- fun for the millions. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, um, only an astrologer probably would understand. Evan is probably laughing too. You get the, you, did you get what I just said, Evan? Was that was that fun? <laughs> oh, he's, Evan wrote oof. Yeah, he got it. He got it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you ask, why does a person come to me right now with this question? You know, yeah. why why right now? Um, all right. So um, now, having put all of this astrology all over my <laughs> screen, I've got to take it all away. Sorry, <laughs> I can't. I can't think anymore. Um, so um, the um, things I would like to recommend to you are to to take this seriously. I'm going to mm-hmm. say a couple of things about what I feel. This person who committed suicide, I believed, was cursed. This was the great-grandfather. After the great-grandfather comes the great-grand... Comes the, excuse me, the grandfather, then the father, then you. That's four generations. My God, mm-hmm. which is the God of the Jews, um, uh, believes that a person, unless they belong to a group that are known as the Amalekites, which are a very special group of creepy murderers that we can curse forever, that my God believes that four generations is enough to curse unless Mm -hmm. you're just going to wipe out the line completely. So you are the last generation that would hold this curse, Mm -hmm. um, according to my God's tradition. Okay, Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So so that means that you might be able to take it off you certainly would be able to prevent it from going any further. And that's interesting, good news for you. And mm-hmm. while I'm doing this, I'm, while I'm talking, I'm going to ask my darling, please come into my screen and fix it up because it's a mess now. I'm really sorry, and I can't talk and fix my screen. It's totally chaotic, and I need the rundown, and it's disappeared. Sorry, folks. Okay. So, so um <laughs> I would recommend that you, first of all, think about some of the ways of dealing with negative ancestors. I think that a suicide often, you know, stems from mental illness, but there's also people driven to suicide by um, those who um, do something to them, you know, cause them to mm-hmm. to um, fall apart. And so the um, the idea is to... Uh, contact that ancestor and see if you can help. Now, this idea comes from Kardecian Spiritism, which is a religion based on spiritualism, but it's called Spiritism. It has its own um, form. It's a public form. There's no uh, initiation required. Uh, there's. Thank you. I'm seeing my screen rebuild. Um, and the idea is that you are going to elevate that ancestor and send them to a better place place. Send them to the land where they need to go. And you can take um, uh, nine um, steps. If you have a, people sometimes literally do it on steps in their house. They'll do it with bricks. They'll do it with books. And you're going to build something nine steps high. You can do it on a ladder. And um, Alan Kardec, uh, who was the guy who did this, was really a a guy whose last name was entirely different, Mr. Reveal, but whatever. Um, But he's called Alan Kardec. So he recommended Every day for nine days, make offerings to the ancestor, and also um, you might do for the other ancestors. Each one in there, you know, start the 
great-grandfather, then the grandfather, then the father, and just set them up. If your father is still alive, don't put your father on the steps, obviously. If your grandfather is still alive, don't put him on the steps. But put them on the steps. Put things that, that remind you of them, a photo, for instance. Play beautiful music. Waft them with good incense, um, some nice perfume, and you're going to make nine offerings on nine days, and you're going to raise them up and speak to them and say, you know, great-grandfather so-and-so, whatever his name is, um, you know, uh, you have long been, uh, you know, uh, um, on this earth and your spirit um, still is in contact with us, but we would like you to go to a higher and more elevated place. We would like you to be, to rise up, to feel better about yourself, better about the life you lived and better about everything and so forth. You just raise them up, raise them up. Now, that doesn't get rid of the person who cursed them. And that's a whole other issue. The person who cursed them is dead. I would also do on a separate altar, separate place, some offerings for the person who placed the curse because I don't believe this just spontaneously came out of a great-grandfather. I think something he must have done something bad. He might have harmed somebody, as an example. Um, he might have, for instance, um, oh, you know, raped a child. I'm not saying, I mean, I'm not trying to talk about your great-grandfather. I'm just talking about people that I know who have been clients of mine. Hit somebody with a car while drunk. Um, there's many, many, you know, murdered somebody, shot somebody dead. Um, so there's somebody left who made that curse, and they may still be asking for help and vengeance and forgiveness and to be able to forgive, I should say, themselves. So you want to set up an altar to the person who was wronged and to all of their descendants. But that's not going to be a nine-step altar. That would just be a simple altar with white candles every day, light a white candle. And the white candle you would pray, you know, may you find peace, may you find forgiveness. And then what you're going to do is um, at the end of all of this, you can... um, Send your grandfather on on his way. You can also, if you want to, if you know where your grandfather, great-grandfather is buried, you can get uh, his um, graveyard dirt, make a little coffin box, and elevate that with his name in it, picture, whatever. Take it back to his grave, bury it, and say, there, now all of the parts of you that are lost and missing and wandered the world are now back with you. Good luck. Right? Mm-hmm. And on the year anniversary of your reburying that dirt, but if you can't find the dirt, just forget it. Just use, on the year anniversary of his death, light a white candle. It's called the Yarsite candle or a memorial candle in English. And uh, and on the anniversary of the appeasement of the dead one, who you may not know who they are or even why they were angry, but on the on the anniversary of their appeasement, you also will light a white candle every year, and that will keep you healthy and safe. Mm-hmm. I hope that made sense. Yes. Um, anybody Thank have you. anything else to add? Just uh, a quick timing note. May 14th is a good time to plan some of this. Jupiter will enter Pisces, which rules your 8th house, and it will make a trine to the moon, which is in the 11th house, in Gemini, which you, you mentioned is, I think, your moon sign. But it's a really good time from May 14th on to plan some of this working. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And Papa G said, can he call upon grandfathers even farther back to help? Um I wouldn't, you could, but I wouldn't in this case because these are all people with the same name. And I will add one other thing. You might want to consider doing the numerology of your name and seeing if that's holding you down too. Mm. And you might just get a competent numerologist to do a numerological chart. Phew. Okay, there's our music. Um, And, um, yeah, Evan says in the chat, I was thinking of a need for a name change. Yeah. Right, and and good luck, Hounded Hearth. 
All right. Now we are coming with a network schedule announcement from the land of electronic fervor. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time to go to our free spell segment with the delightful Papa Newt of papanewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska. Take it away, Papa Newt. Thank you, Evan. All right. This is just a little uh, package just to help to promote uh, peace within the home and also with uh, uh, protecting the home. Um, It is one that um, I have helped with clients, especially during the pandemic, and I just still have found it useful even in my own working. I just wanted something simple because that's one thing with Hoodoo is is being able to also find things that are are readily available when you can't get something, um, uh, when you can't get to a shop. Uh, And this is just getting at least some marjoram, basil, and at least three uh, fava beans. Fava beans has this association with uh, St. Joseph, um, and I just like to have that influence in with, uh, with the home. Now, you can get yourself a little square fabric, four and a half, oh, sorry, four and a half, my goodness, four by four inches, um, I find useful, but sometimes fava beans can be a little, little big, so if you need to go a little larger, you can do so. I like to place down the beans one by one in the center of the square, saying, you know, in name of the Father, and then place down the next one in name of the Son, and the next one in name of the Holy Spirit. That's just my influence and background of being Catholic. And with, and I'll say something along the lines, with the blessed influence of St. Joseph, I wake you, spirits of, of the Father Beans, to come and bring good fortune into, into my home, or if you live with more than one person into the home, our home. Then get a pinch of, of basil. Get it in your hand. Get your breath onto it and talk to the spirit of the basil. Spirit of the basil, I wake you to come to the aid. In the name of the creator, we both adore. Keep a watchful eye so that no evil shall enter here and disrupt the peace of our home. And, and place that basil in the center of the fabric. And then the same with the marjoram. Spirit of the marjoram, call, I call you forth to promote peace within the home. When sorrowful times come to visit, aid in the healing and strengthening of, of our spirit so we will become familiar with peace again. I like to just lay things, just lay them all out, and then I might take a little extra step to bring in, in a psalm. Um, if it is just uh, you've lived in this home for, uh, for a while, I, you may pray like Psalms 29 over, over everything. If this is a new home, you know, Psalm 61 uh, you want to pray over. And then I will take the edge of the fabric and I'll fold it towards me. I might turn it to the right and just fold it inwards, inwards, just making a little package, just folding it in. I don't get too 
too complex with that, but it's just making this nice little square packet. I like to try to keep uh, square for that stability aspect um, of the home. And then I'll take a twine and I'll just wrap it around at least three times, and I might pinch it, turn it, and wrap it around, kind of like a present, you know, and then tying it with three knots. And I'll keep it above my home my door, the main door of the home, or at least in the heart of the home, be it if the kitchen is where, where everybody meets or the living room, that where everybody comes in is a nice place to keep that packet. I do find, uh, you know, you can take it and feed it with prayers or even just get yourself later, uh, if you don't have it at the moment, go ahead and get yourself some peaceful home oil and just to feed the little packet. You could even put this packet behind a photo of everybody that is in the home too, just to, you know, keep that influence upon you all. Wow. Okay, I'm mm, going to have a comment on this. This is A, simple, B, complex. Um, the the what Papa Newt has described, and this is perfect for newbies to start to think about, you know, it's not put three things in a bag. This is what's called a trio hand, or what I was taught. The name trio hand was taught to be by a man who made these hands in Oakland. He specialized in trio hands. Each There were three ingredients or three packets of ingredients, but each one had its own specific prayer, not a prayer from memory necessarily, but it could be a, a, a psalm, but it also could be just a prayer uh, spoken from the heart. So what Papa Newt did here were three ingredients, very simple, um, but one of those ingredients was three parts. So it's, this is definitely a trio hymn. Then he did this whole thing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost on the one um, trio. Then he did prayers on the three trios. Then he tied it in a packet with three wrappings and tied three knots. So it's a trio hand. And um, the trio hand is a very, very old um, type of work. Evan Lionart, great question. He says, question for newbies, how often do you feed this packet? Hmm. I, you know, I'm one that I do keep an eye on on the home. Um, I usually like to keep it like, you know, once a month. I'll just kind of keep things nice and tidy. Um, just go and give it a little little bit of a, a, you know, putting the mouth of the bottle right up to it and just put a little bit on and just say prayers over it um, just to keep that influence and that uh, the spirits working and well fed. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to add a little something to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, depending on where you put it and, you know, how are you going to do it, are you going to climb up on a stepladder and find it up over the lintel? You can waft incense up to it. Mm-hmm. You can make peaceful home, which is a, a peaceful home is two liquids that are do not mix. So one is a water alcohol blend and the other is an oil blend. They're both scented. When you shake them up, it makes a temporary emulsion. If you put them in a bottle, shake them up, Put them in a bottle with a pump sprayer and then let them separate again. Just let them set separate. You can then shake them up and spritz it at the at the mojo. You don't have to climb up on that stepladder. That's for us short Jews. <laughs> and um, also, um, there is Psalms 133 um, oh, for um, spritzing with peace water. So that's just another one that I like, Psalms 133, about brothers dwelling together in unity. Mm, that's good. That's a good idea. I love these little home uh, protection and but these little packets um, because when people think of mojo, they they think of like, I need to put 21 ingredients here. I need to put 50 ingredients. And they've got this giant thing. And I'm like, what is that? 
That's my mojo bag. No, that isn't. That's a weapon. So I love the idea of just working with three ingredients because it's fantastic. And it's a reminder that you can do a great deal with only a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you all something else. If you own your own home and you have wooden door lintels, you can either have casing molding, the kind that's kind of flat, or you might have a lintel that comes out, depending on how old your house is, style of architecture. If you have a lintel, you can take a wood carving tool and carve out a little space put the packet in there put a thin piece of the wood that's over it glue it back in place and no one will ever know the packets there till later i found a packet like that in the fireplace mantle of the house i'm living in right now when we took the fireplace mantle off the wall because we were redoing the walls back behind it, it was all hollow there was information about the house and uh, the names of the people who had lived there it was a little thing so yeah all righty. Um, we're going to turn this over to Evan. Thank you, Papa Newt, for that fabulous thing. And Evan, take it away. You got it. Uh, <laughs> I'm normally on point with this. Thank you, Papa Newt of PapaNewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska, for being our guest this week. Um, join us next week for a special Oracle Hour. I don't have a guest for you yet, but it will be an equally as lovely show, I promise you. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour was brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Cereal Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I am your announcer, Evan Lionheart, joining you from evanlionheart.com in New Jersey. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Block Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radio show HTML. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you, Evan Lionheart. Um, just a reminder, next week is going to be the Oracle Hour, Lucky Mojo Oracle Hour, and that's under the uh, guidance of Contraman, and he's going to get it together for us, we hope. <laughs> and we'll have a form of divination, which we will teach, and we will have two clients. All right. Thank you, Papa Newt. Thank you so much. And... Um, Remember, says Evan Lionheart, don't forget to sign up for It's All Ephemera with Cat Iron with us, my Patreon stream, where you can get advanced PDFs of the books I'm working on. Three books at once. Watch me go. Thank you and shout out to Papa G, who's working on one of those books, Dr. Jeremy Weiss, who's working on another one. And um, we're going to have them ready in time for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, September 11th and 12th, and tickets go on sale May 1st. All right. Yay. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Good night.